You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So we're on. Does anyone know what we're talking about? Can anyone name the book of the Bible we're on right now? All right, good, good. I'm in the right place. Jonah. Um, And I think this is uh, Jonah part three, but we're on chapter two, right? If that's not right, this will be confusing, but... Uh, so Jonah's a prophet. Just a little, a little catch up here. Jonah's a prophet. He's not a great guy. Um, he's, he's, he's like, and the story of Jonah is like a caricature for the broken human condition, right? And we're going to see uh, some of our flaws and our failures in Jonah. Uh, I mean, even his name, Jonah, son of Amittai, is like, it's funny because that means dove, son of faithfulness. And this is like the most unfaithful human in the Bible. It's a, it's, a, it's a story of failure. And so we see the caricature of human failure in this. But we also see God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And so uh, this story is far more than just a fish story. There's a lot going on in this. In chapter 1, uh, you, you guys may remember, God calls Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is a, it's a place full of like the, the most horrible people in the world at that time. They're just, uh, it's the capital of Assyria. They're murderers. God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Does Jonah go to Nineveh? No. no. As a matter of fact, according to, he goes as far from Nineveh as you could in the world at that time. He goes to Tarsus. It's literally as far as anyone could go. And so that's sort of what's going on. Uh, Jonah runs from God. He's a coward. Uh, he's a story of moral, moral failure. And he ends up in kind of a strange situation, doesn't he? Let's, let's see what happens in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. We saw that coming. God provided a fish, just to make sure we're all clear on what happened. A huge fish swallowed Jonah. Now, what would you expect someone... Have any of you ever been in the belly of a fish? First off, show of hands. Okay, that's good. What would you expect to happen in the belly of a fish? Let me tell you what I'd expect. To be dissolved by the fish's acidic stomach enzymes. That's what happens anytime you're in the belly of anything, right? You die because the acidity and like, matter of fact, I ate a goldfish one time uh, because this is a true story because there's a guy named Stoner who goes to church here and he bet me 10 bucks that I would need a goldfish. And I said, all right, I can't bet, but you give that $10 to the building fund and I'll eat a goldfish. And that shows y'all my dedication <laughs> right there. And I ate the goldfish. And I, what happened to the, it got dissolved in my stomach enzymes, I guess. But like, Typically, this is what happens when you're in the belly of something. You just, but that's not what happens to Jonah. As a matter of fact, it says, if, if you've already read ahead in chapter 2, Jonah is in the belly of this fish, and, and he begins to pray, right? He's not only praying. Apparently, he wrote a, a poem. Uh, the, the, what we have in, in Jonah chapter 2 is a Hebrew, uh, it's Hebrew poetry. It's a prayer expressed as Hebrew poetry. So Jonah is in the belly of a fish, and what's he doing? He's writing poetry, now, you might ask yourself, where did he get a pencil? <laughs> it's a fair question, I think. How did he see? Was there one of those luminescent glowfishes in there with him, too? Not only that, how's he breathing? Is it, I mean, did they put him in a scuba suit before they threw him overboard? If so, that's a different story. 
But so Jonah is in the belly of the fish, not being dissolved. He's in the belly of the fish, uh, writing poetry somehow. I don't know what he's using for life. I don't know what's going on. And so uh, I think it's funny sometimes that we get mad at non-Christians because they don't believe stories like this. We're like, really? You don't believe that? He's in the belly of a fish writing poetry? What's not believable about that? Why in the world do we judge the world for not believing a story like this? Remember, you don't, get to, you don't get to Jesus through Jonah. You get to Jonah through Jesus. These stories only make sense if Christ is empowering you to understand them. And, and some people think this is a literal story, and that's cool. Yeah, I mean, Jonah, we believe Jonah was a real person. And could God put someone in the belly of a fish for three days? Absolutely. He raised himself from the dead. He can do whatever he wants, all right? He's God. Uh, some people believe this is algorithm. I don't really don't care what you believe about this. What I care is what the author wants us to hear. And so when we approach this story, we're not approaching it with our agenda or our things. We just want to hear what the author wanted us to hear. What's the point of this story, a story written in an ancient world to an ancient people in an ancient language? What in the world does this have to do with me? It's a fair question to ask. And when we look at stories like this, we have to start somewhere. We have to start with context. Y'all know what context means? It's like, who said this? Where? Why? So let me give you an example of context. Um, my wife, her name is Christy, and we have a cat. He's a male cat, and his name, his name is Mr. Snuggles. Do not mistake his kindness for weakness. <laughs> but Christy loves Mr. Snuggles, okay? And she, she frequently kisses Mr. Snuggles' face. She kisses the face of Mr. Snuggles, okay? So if, if I wrote you a note, and the note simply said, and you didn't know anything, you didn't know anything I just told you. You didn't know my wife. You didn't, you didn't act like you thought that was crazy. Like, you just, you don't know anything. And I give you a note that says, Christy said, Mr. Snuggles, I want to eat your face. Now, do you think my wife is crazy. If you know Mr. Snuggles, you might even call PETA, although... I wouldn't assume we have a large PETA contingent here. <laughs> Everybody needs Jesus. You're welcome. Um, I would, but so you, you, would, you wouldn't have any idea what to think about my wife if all you read was, Mr. Snuggles, I want to eat your face, right? You, you would think ah, that doesn't make any sense. But for those of us who know Christy, we know what she's saying. It, I, have a, I have a hilarious joke right here, by the way, that I told in 830 that got censored, so I can't share it with you all. But it is super funny, and I want to. Everything in me wants to. No, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to wise counsel. Come back at 1130 when I'm not online. Point being, context matters. That's all I'm going to say, okay? Context matters. And so there is great context in this story of Jonah. And for us to really understand the story of Jonah, we must immerse ourselves. We don't ask the Bible to come be like us. That is not, you, don't, you don't say a thousand-year-old Jewish people, you know, be written. No, we got to go back and say what was going on then. So let's take a moment to immerse ourselves in the context. Jonah 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Okay, the word of the Lord came to who? Everyone say it. Jonah. What is Jonah? What's like his profession? What's his thing? What's he called? A prophet, right? Jonah is a prophet. And there are prophets all throughout the Bible, and they always follow a very similar path. Almost every prophet. So when you know Jonah's a prophet, you automatically, if you're an ancient Israelite, you have context around what prophets do. Prophets 
were people that God would send, and they would go to the nation of Israel, and they would say something to the effect of, Israelites, God delivered us from slavery in Egypt. God delivered us from bondage. God gave us his word. He gave us the Torah. He gave us the law and the prophets. God gave us all of these things, okay? And now we have disobeyed them. We have failed what God told us to do. We are now outside of the will of God. If we don't repent, if we don't turn, if we don't change, God is going to do some things, and we are going to experience the consequences. But if we'll turn towards God, we'll be rescued. And then the prophets would always say, and there's a day coming when there will be one who is greater, when all of Israel will be rescued. Because that's, that's every prophet book in the Bible is basically that. And so Jonah is in the context of these prophets, and there's some very similar themes you'll see. Hosea was one of the earliest prophets written, Hosea 8.3. But Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Okay, so God gives a warning to Israel. And now watch this. Here comes the consequence in verse 7. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like something no one wants. They're, they're, you hear that? Swallowed up. When Israel has, has sinned, there's consequence. There's this, there's this wording of swallowed up. We, we see it, Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, 51, 34. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has devoured us. He has thrown us into confusion. He has made us an empty jar. Like a serpent, he has swallowed us up, filled his stomach with our delicacies, and then he has spewed us out. Does that sound familiar at all? A serpent swallowing us up and spewing us. What does that sound like? The story of Jonah. Now, this has nothing to do with whether or not Jonah's real or allegory or what. I mean, it's just, it's, it, there's context around this. And so the author, when he's talking about Jonah being swallowed up by a fish, for the ancient Israelite, all these other stories are going to resonate. And in this story, they're going to hear their story. They're going to understand their story of, of being faithless. They're going to understand their story of disobedience. And they're going to understand the story of God's mercy and grace over and over and over. So the context of this to an this is a crazy story, guys. But it's a crazy story that's surrounded by very common context for an ancient Israelite. And so we hope to do the same thing. We hope to hear our story in this, the story of our failure and the story of our faithlessness, but the same, the story of God's grace and mercy and God's goodness. And so this is more than a fish story, but I believe we can take this story and actually have lessons and things that God can use to change our lives even today. All scriptures God breathed, it's good. And we're going to use an ancient story from an ancient place to possibly change your life today. And so Jonah, what we find, he finds himself in that fish. And the fish represents the belly of the beast, okay? Jonah is in the belly of the beast. And the belly of the beast for Jonah is rock bottom. Uh, the, the belly of the beast is, is, represents failure, and it's, he's wandered away from God, and he's done his own thing, and, and he finds himself in a situation where nothing is right, where everything is broken, uh, where, where he knows he's outside of God's will. And, and I think we get that, because for most of us, at some point in our lives, we have found ourselves in the belly of the beast. 
God said, go that way. We went that way. We did our own thing. Uh, we had pride. We had guilt. We had shame. We, had all, we made all these choices. And at some point, we look around and we go, oh, man, this is it. I'm in the belly of the beast. For many of us, we got there because of our own choices, right? But for many of you, maybe you got there because you were born into the wrong family somehow. And, and, and it wasn't fair what you grew up seeing. And you found yourself even at a young age in the belly of the beast. Or maybe something happened to you that wasn't your fault at all. So, some loss, some pain. But whatever happens, we find ourselves in the belly of the beast. And what matters the most, not is how we got into the belly of the beast, it's how do we respond when we're there. And Jonah's going to show us exactly how to respond. Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. Jonah said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah finds himself in the belly of the beast, rock bottom, and the first thing he does is what? He cries out for help. You guys ever cried out for help, like in a way where you didn't care? Like there was no shame, you were just crying. You ever been there just crying out for help? Like maybe with God or maybe even physically in your life. Have you ever cried out because you were really in a bad situation and you just cried out for help? Um, one night I was in a fight. This is another high school fight story. Get ready. And I was fighting a guy. I'm going to use first and last names because I'm still a little mad about it and I hope they hear this. I, I was in a fight with a guy named Jeff Marcus. <laughs> it's a true story. And I was doing pretty good. I was holding my own. Um, and, you know, a lot of this. I remember, I went to PA. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm in a fight, but we're, we're doing pretty good, you know. And then this other guy named Michael Wachowiak <laughs> jumps on me, first and last names, jumps on me. And next thing you know, I find myself that there's some rocks, and they're banging my head against rocks like this. And so as I'm having my head banged against the rocks, I cried out like this, Mutter. Mutter was my best friend. Mutter. I'm on the rocks. <laughs> That's how I meant to say it. But I think it really sounded more like, Matter! Matter, I'm on the rocks! Matter, I'm on the rocks! <laughs> he, first he looked to see if there was a three-year-old girl that needed help. <laughs> then he saw me, and in hindsight, I should have called someone who could fight. But like, I was on the rocks, I cried. The point of this story is, have you ever cried out with no pride and no shame because you knew you just needed help? <laughs> like, that was me. No pride, no shame, just matter I'm on the rocks. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I've done that same thing with God. There have been nights because of my choices in my life and the things I've done where I have cried out, God, I just need you. I don't care. No pretense. None of this. I'm cool. No pastor. Oh, God, I just need you. I can't do it. I can't see it. I'm, I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm proud. Whatever. God, I need you. I need you, God. Where are you? And if you've never been in that place with God, you are missing out on something amazing. Because there's something happens when you cry out like that. It is the complete loss of pride. You are enveloped in humility. A complete understanding that apart from you, I am nothing. God, I you ever been there? That's where Jonah's at in this story. In the belly of the beast, Jonah cries out. 
And it says, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Jonah believes that God is listening. Jonah believes that God is there. Um, Jonah has called. And Yahweh has heard. Verse 3, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Okay, guys, remember we talked about, you can leave that one up there. We talked about how we're getting away from VeggieTales. VeggieTales are little kid Jonah. Uh, we're now in big kid Jonah. So Jonah is in a horrible situation. He, he cries out to God, and he says, God, you hurled me into the depths. Who's he blaming right now for his problem? God. Jonah believes that God is involved, that God is allowing this horrific situation to be on Jonah. I think for many of us, we believe that God's job is to prevent us from all pain in life, that God's job is to usher us through health, wealth, and prosperity to the place we want to be, that that's what God does. But the biblical version of God is that your health and, and wealth and prosperity is not his highest priority. His highest priority is that we would be molded in the image of Christ. And sometimes God allows great pain to come into our lives so that there can be great results. I'm not saying God put that thing. I don't believe God didn't put that horrible situation on you. But for those people who will turn to God and cry out, God will take that horrible situation and he will add perspective and life-changing grace and mercy. Amen. God's job, guys, God's job is not to make us happy. His job is to make us holy. That's what he does. That's who he is. And I can promise you this because, and everyone in the room knows I'm telling the truth. You're not always going to like what God is doing in your life. There's going to be moments where you're like, God, why in the world is this going on? And remember, I'm not saying God put that on you because I don't believe that. But in the midst of those moments, what will you do? How will you, how will you handle your pain? Will you cry out to God who can save you, a God who, who can restore you, or will you cry out to something like my friend David Metter that couldn't do anything in the moment? No offense, Metter, but really, I should have called somebody else. <laughs> Verse 4, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Oh, that's good, man. I tried it my way, God. I tried it my way. I did my thing, and I feel like, like you don't even see me now. I did my thing. I walked away, and, and but I'm going to turn again. In verse, verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you... Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Jonah is in a situation. He has cried out in desperation and humility. Everything's been stripped away. He's got nothing. This is why I think, I really do think this is why God says it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle. Because at some point in our lives, we need to know what it's like to have nothing. To have everything stripped away. I think maybe for many of us, we sort of experienced it. Most Americans don't ever really experience that, but maybe a taste of that during Corona. Y'all remember when, when, when everyone thought their lives were going pretty decent and we had it all figured out, and then this thing hit, and suddenly everybody hates each other, and it's just like, 
everything you thought would make you happy is, seems like it could be taken away. And there's like this moment when all you really care about is you and God. As I remember going through that whole, whole season of my life as, as a pastor and you know, we'd had this big church and thousand people or whatever. And then, you know, two months later or a month, month later, I'm doing a, a message to a phone in a room by myself. I got nothing, God. I got nothing. I think there was like six of y'all watching at that time. And don't raise your hand and act like you were the one. <laughs> they were all 830 people. <laughs> but it was hard. And it was lonely, and friends were turning on each other, and, and the, the economic system was crumbling, and there was this moment that was so painful and so horrific, but so beautiful. Because there was a moment in that season where I said, God, I've got absolutely nothing but you. There's a song we sing sometimes that says, and all the other things fade away. Sometimes that's good, isn't it? All the other things Fade away. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. Where, where is Jonah right now, guys? Come on, where is he? In the fish. Has his circumstances changed? No. And so he's still in the midst of the darkness. He's still at his rock bottom. He's still at his pit. He's still, he's still at that moment. He's in the belly of the beast. But in the belly of the beast, he does something so incredibly brilliant. He stops and he says, God, I, I, when I look, I see my circumstances. And may, maybe you've done this. When, when I look, God, I see my circumstances. But if I shut my eyes, I can still remember you. Guys, we, we have to learn to do this. I see my circumstances. I see the reality of what's in front of me. I see she's not coming home, and I see that that's not going to happen, and I see the check, and, and then I shut my eyes for just a moment. God, I remember you. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God who spoke a world into existence. You're the God who makes the, the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And for us, we, we even go a step further. We, we shut our eyes and we go, God, I, I remember Jesus. And I know that he was born into this world of a virgin, and I remember that. And I remember that he committed no sin, and I remember that. And I remember that he gave himself up and hung on a cross for my sins, and I remember that. And I remember that three days later, he kicked the grave open and saved the world. God, I remember this. I remember this. And so what is in front of me does not matter because that God is in me, and I will remember you. And we must learn to stop and remember God and find a reason to be grateful no matter what is happening in your world. And this matters because the world is watching. And I have seen people, church people, I have seen people go through hell. And I have seen them continue to praise. And I've seen other people go through horrific situations and you never see them again. It must be settled in us today. How will we respond when that rock bottom day happens? You know the most dangerous thing a Christian can say is, man, I just don't know what I'd do if I was in that circumstance. Gosh, if it were me, I just don't know what I'd do. Decide today what you will do if that happens. 
Decide today that in the belly of the beast, I will remember my God. I will remember a God who died on a cross, who rose from the grave, and who saved the world. And if that's the only thing he does, then that's sufficient for me. I remember you, God. Oh, God, I remember you. We get too caught up in what's going on around us. We get so fixated on what we can see that we forget about what's real. What's real is that your salvation has been bought and paid for. And the world can't take that from you. I'm not saying you don't have pain. Yeah, we have pain. Bad things happen in this world. Terrible things. But take heart. For the God you're remembering has overcome the world. The world will speak. But God will speak last, I can guarantee it. Verse, verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I with shouts. What? What? He's in the belly of a fish. And what's he doing? Shouting with grateful praise. Imagine you caught that fish and you can hear how great is our God. <laughs> You're trying to reel it in and sing with me, how great. He's singing inside the belly of a fish. I will sacrifice to you. I'll do what I've vowed. I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He's in the belly of the fish. Let it be settled in you. Let it be settled in you. There's, there's three groups of people in this room. Those who have been in the belly, those who are in the belly, and those who will probably be in it tomorrow. That's the only three groups in the room. It's coming for all of us. We can decide today how we will respond. Will you remember God in those moments? Will you remember God? In your rock bottom, will you always remember who's still on top? If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.